Hello and welcome to another episode of the Christian Reef Podcast. Today's guest is a musician and writer all the way from the UK. Well, I say all the way, we're on the same aisle. I think I'm just used to saying that because I get so many international guests. She's all the way from Southend-on-Sea. Her name is Poppy Lister. Welcome to the show. How's it going? Hi, it's good, thanks. How's it going? Not too bad, not too bad. Uh, it's, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Um, obviously, you've been in my kind of network for some time now and uh do you know obviously i always go and do extensive research on every guest that i have on the show and uh sometimes i do a bit more sometimes i do a bit less i literally have like two sides of a4 here and i to be honest i could have done even more there was just so much um so this people will be a long one in a good way i i, I personally prefer the longer episodes i mean they are obviously a pain in the ass to edit, but there is more content, there is more to dissect, and uh, it generally comes out you know, better versus just doing like a straight interview or whatever. And I always try to aim for that kind of discussion-based style of podcast. But um, enough about me, I wanna just get straight into your music because you know, you'd mentioned a few times in some of my streams that you were a musician. And you and you're in a band and stuff, and and you kind of kept it under wraps for some time, and then you obviously approached me and said, "Hey, Al, uh, let's be on the podcast." Yeah, this, this is like I've changed the uh, setup in my uh, room, so now um, there's a corner. Getting used to it. Well, yeah, just like Ugh. anyway, <laughs> back to you. Uh, so yeah, you'd mentioned in in your streams, in my streams, sorry, quite a few times that you were in this band, and uh, obviously I took some time to look into it. The band is called death guns just awesome name uh so yeah tell, tell us about that band how it came to be and uh your plans for that band well this band is kind of a new thing for me um and basically i was quite good friends with the lead singer i knew she had a band um and you know things always happen with you know bands especially in the beginning like you know people leave people find other stuff to do you know people go and get jobs because it's not working out straight away and they don't work out straight away mm -hmm. um but yeah so she was um online and she was asking people you know does anyone know any musicians that might want to join in on this project and i was like you know what yeah why not it sounds like fun um so we just kind of started from there and uh, I went to my first rehearsal and they had this song that was pretty much done. I mean, there was a few bits that needed doing and there's still a few bits that we can like clean up on now. Um, but I really liked the song. And from that point, it's just kind of like taken off. We've been to these um, rehearsals, you know, a few times and um, this song's pretty much done. The thing is like, we've got, one song that is good and ready to go like we're so happy with it and there are like loads that are half done or ones that we're completely done we've scrapped so it's a lot of work um that we've got to do now because we keep changing our minds basically <laughs> i'm a little bit confused about your position in the band because i remember a few times you'd said that you were a singer uh in, in my stream so i assumed that you're the lead singer and then i saw on the facebook <laughs> page i think or the instagram the instagram it says that you're the second guitarist and i was like okay but then i looked up the videos and there is definitely one of you i'm pretty sure it's you right so it's basically like there's like a drummer or a guitarist playing and then there's a girl at the far far end of the room singing and i wasn't sure if that's you or if that's the singer 
Can you clear that up? Uh, well, where's your position in the right. band? I'm confused there. Do you sing? Are you a backup singer? Is that the deal? Or? Um, I, I can sing and I do sing, but not in this band. Um, oh, okay. When it comes to bands, I am much more comfortable just behind the guitar and occasionally if I need to do like a do-do-do or a na-na-na, that's fine. Mm. But, um, you know, when I sing, it's like my music and um, like my personal music. And that I haven't really recorded or gotten out yet, but I've kind of started to get some ideas for it and making plans for it. Um, but in this band, I am a rhythm guitarist for the main part. Um, so yeah, <laughs> that's my part in it. That wasn't me in the video. Um, I wish it was. I wish I could sing like her, but I'm not quite at that level. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, well, that's it. That that's interesting. So obviously, you've got solo work, and we'll, and we'll get into that, but. Is this kind of your main focus right now or are you going to do it kind of like spend some time on this, take a break, spend some time on your solo work? Like what, what's kind of, how are you going to manage the two projects? So my main focus is this band at the moment and where I'm from has a really good like rock music scene. And that's why I think that, you know, this has potential to do so well. Hmm. Um, which is why I'm focusing on that. And also my solo music, it's not polished. It's kind of stuff that I was doing in my free time, especially throughout lockdown. Um, and then have recently got the idea that actually, yeah, I could record it and I could do stuff with it. So that's in its very, very early stages. Mm -hmm. And um, you'd mentioned to me in confidence that obviously I, I know there might be things you can and can't say, but um, the way you put it to me, was that this band is close to maybe, I don't know, breaking out, get, getting somewhere, getting an opportunity. You know, I don't know what people say these days, but let's say breaking out. Um, so what's the deal? Are you, are you close to getting signed or is it kind of like a, like I know you've got some music out, so presumably you're kind of working for an, an EP or something like that, or maybe a first record. So talk to us a little bit about the, um, sort of the label situation and uh, where we stand as, as far as it pertains to like a first record? So um, I guess we're working towards our first EP. Uh, as I say, this is quite a new band. Um, we've only got a couple songs really um, at the moment that are kind of done. Um, but working towards this and we have um, this guy and he's amazing and he like helps us out with all of our tracks and you know, he, he's got quite a big interest in producing uh, an EP and a first record, I believe. Um, but it's still in like the talking stages. We're kind of going through it as a group and figuring out, you know, what works best for us. Cause he is, he used to live in the UK. He lives over in America now. Mm. So it's quite difficult to, to sort that out. But um, that's, that's kind of where we're at at the moment. Obviously being a new band, we haven't been able to gig. Right. And you know, that's one of the things that you need to do, you know, mm. before anything, you need to build up a, a fan base. And luckily, we've got quite a lot of people that are interested in our music. Um, but really, we want to get to the, the gigging stage first and see how that goes down and, you know, try and get some people on board with it first. Obviously, the UK is, I mean, right now, at least, is... Um opened up for gigging so are you are you gigging anytime soon i mean you must have a couple of kind of gigs lined up or are you still practicing and get ready for that at the moment um so fingers crossed it will be soon um but we do have a, a new drummer that's literally just joined so we right. kind of uh, 
you know, get him used to the music and, um, you know, all start learning to play together. Because with bands, you have to, you can't just bring someone in and then like start because it, it takes a while to get that kind of group together and playing together and being all in sync. Mm. I think just because you're all musicians that you can just straight away go on and, you know, do it. But it doesn't work like that. <laughs> And um, how would you describe the band's sound? Like, I know, I know labels suck, but sometimes it does help people to at least have a rough idea. Like, what, 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 were, what bands would you compare yourself to? What's the sound like for Def Guns? Um, I think it's a, a mixture of different things. I mean, all of us are into different kinds of music. And, you know, it's all kind of come together. And so, you know, the guitarist, he writes, you know, his guitar riffs based and inspired by the bands he likes. Our singer sings like songs that she enjoys. So it's kind of a collection of a lot of different stuff. Um, but, you know, they've put it under this um, term of like easy core rock. Easy core, um, okay. Yeah. So I guess that's kind of the, the gist of it. But, you know, it's kind of a mixture of all sorts of stuff at the moment. So I'm not exactly sure what I'd class it as. Well, give us some examples. What kind of bands do you think you sound like? Like when you when you guys are jamming, do you hear certain influences in that, or are there direct influences that you're drawing inspiration from? You know, we have songs that are so. All of us kind of came from the same. Uh, you know, when we started, we we're all kind of like these emo kids right so it's all those kind of bands um you know that we take our inspiration from because that was when you know that was the music we were listening to when we started to get into like playing music and stuff or starting to go to gigs um so it's difficult to say like one particular band because there's just all sorts it's like a frankenstein of all these emo mm. bands um and lots of different stuff as well i mean obviously we don't want to copy anything or be exactly mm. the same as you know anything else because then you know what's the point it's already been done so i i think it's difficult at the moment and especially with like only having limited music out and still deciding you know we're kind of still deciding what our sound is going to be mm. because you know some of our songs are completely different to each other and we don't know what kind of pattern our music's going to follow because you know we're quite indecisive <laughs> we can't choose what we like and what we don't like you know I know I know, I know that uh, that feeling I remember my my first metal band it was the same like if you listen to our first EP there's bits and pieces different ideas here and there and then and unfortunately we never actually got our second EP out but by that point we'd written five or six more songs, which were like, okay, this is us. And the sound had changed. It went from more like contemporary metal, thrash metal to like post-hardcore, I guess, that kind of vibe. Uh, so yeah. it was very different, but it, 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 it had happened over the course of gigging and slowly but surely working together. So yeah, I know exactly where you're coming from on this. And I think what I'd say to you is just wait for that moment where it clicks and you're like, yeah, okay, this is, this is the vibe. Cause the whole band will be into it. They'll be like, okay, this particular song, this is what we need to replicate. This is the vibe kind of thing. But, yeah. yeah. Right. Everyone knows it's right. You know, yeah, it's, it's but... interesting. Like the amount of bands I've listened to where, you know, you listen to like demo versions of songs that they 
had penned and and the demo i mean sometimes the demos sound better than the <laughs> later originals but uh, most often than not it's like an idea and then you're like oh, okay so they spent a long time tweaking this until they got to the point where it's like boom but i would say yeah. it's it's very good that you're working with a producer um because it was the same for us i remember when we recorded that first ep um that the producer we worked with was obviously a professional musician as well and they really helped kind of give us some ideas shape some things make some suggestions here and there which we used and, and we actually changed some of the songs here and there a little bit and it was easier for us to play live as a result so that when you get a good producer and they know what they're doing and they're passionate it's an invaluable tool and it really, it's a good way of uh, educating yourself and, and growing as a band so yeah um best of luck with that band death guns and um i believe that you guys do actually have at least the first single is it unbreakable is that the tune yeah so that's unbreakable that's our first song that we're all happy with and that is basically done and a lot of that is actually owed to the producer so when the song started there were just two people in the band and mm. that was the singer and the lead guitarist and this producer was amazing he kind of like brought everything together and like decided how the song would go according to what they wanted and then once they brought in you know other musicians to complete the band then you know we could obviously work on it from our point of view and what works for us but we had a base there you know we knew kind of like how the song was going to go and how we wanted to play it um but yeah no it's i i like the song <laughs> Excellent. And uh, yeah, so we can find you on Instagram. Where else can we find Death Guns? Uh, Facebook as well. Um, but I think we're going to work on getting a bit of a bigger social media presence at some point. Um, but at the moment, Instagram's our go-to. Are you guys on TikTok yet? You thought about... No, we're not on TikTok yet. That is uh, something that has kind of divided us a little bit, um, deciding Ooh. whether we do that or not. Interesting. Oh, okay. Okay. So to give people context for those who don't use TikTok, there are a lot of bands out there that have been using TikTok as a way to build their fan base um, successfully as well. There's a, there's a metal band called Raised by Wolves, I believe their name is, who are doing pretty well. And they started just doing like meme type videos, uh, specifically in the metal kind of genre. Um, and they've had relative success with it. Um, there's also a band, I think probably the arguably the most successful band, uh, at least in the metal sphere, is O'Hara, I think they're called, O'Hara Band. And they obviously played at this year's fest, uh, Download Festival. And uh, they've, they literally just built up their kind of following through, through Instagram by just playing all of those songs that were trending on TikTok and doing like their own little mini versions. And... Um, They've, they've basically leveraged it in a good way because obviously people mainly come for the covers and the fun and the memes and stuff. But some people stay, some people like the band and, and will stay. And, and, and that has actually been proven by, if you look at like people's uh, Spotify monthly listens and stuff, there is a direct correlation between like before they started TikTok and then afterwards. There is that kind of, uh, let's say, evidence that it does actually help in some shape or form. But it's interesting that you say that your band is divided on that. I, I'd like to know why. What, what, what are the kind of reasons for and against at the moment as far as your band is concerned? I think TikTok it's a useful tool, definitely. You know, loads of people are on it. And as you say, loads of musicians have used it to, you know, build their platform a bit. But the problem is that um, 
people obviously worry that you're going to get stuck in this box of a, a TikTok, you know, band or creator or something. Mm. And it's, it's difficult because, you know, it, it is so useful and, you know, there, you can build a lot from that, but it's whether you want to risk being like known as that band from TikTok or whatever. So, you know, it's, it has its good points and its bad points, definitely. Okay, but playing devil's advocate for a second, because I know where you're coming from, and I think that's a very smart kind of response to that, and I would be nervous of, of that too. But there are many instances of people who, you know, they started at one point and they've sort of grown and, and changed and, and, and come to a very different point. Like, for example, uh, Justin Bieber famously started on YouTube. Not many people actually remember this or even know this. But yeah, he was originally posting videos on YouTube. Okay, fair enough when YouTube was not really as big as, I think this was, would have been like anywhere from 2005 to 2007. Because I think he was discovered in, I want to say 2008, 2009 by Usher. But point is, he was just like anyone else, just posting videos on the internet, hoping to get signed. He was just some young kid. And all these years later, he's a massive worldwide known artist. Um, but my point is, no one ever mentions the whole YouTube thing. I never hear that in conversations. Like, if anything, whenever they talk about his beginnings, mostly what they say is, oh, well, Usher discovered him. That's about it. You know, so do you not think that um, it, that could work out that way for you? I mean, maybe is it, is it more a question of how you manage that versus... Do you know what I mean? Because if, if, if it's something that you wear as a banner, like, yeah, we're that band from TikTok, then that's obviously you're kind of potentially shooting yourself in the fruit in the future. But if, if you just you sort of acknowledge it, but you move on and you just keep kind of focusing on the next thing, maybe it's the sort of thing that you can sort of leave behind. And if it gets mentioned, you can be like, yeah, but like you don't kind of play on it, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. I think that it would be a good idea personally because, you know, there are so many people on there and, you know, with the whole lockdown thing, lots of people took to TikTok to find mm. new music and stuff and you always find new stuff, you know, popping out of nowhere with all these songs. Um, so it's a good idea, definitely. But I think, there's, I think there's also a little bit of a stigma around it, you know, the whole you know TikTok thing you know lots of people for ages were like oh well I'd never download TikTok or whatever <laughs> and I think we're still in that kind of like mindset and to be fair I was like that I was like why would anyone use TikTok and now I scroll on it for hours <laughs> it, yeah it's interesting I, I kind of had a similar mindset although my mindset wasn't so much that TikTok didn't have any value because I just saw it as a music version of Vine and I thought Vine was excellent too um but i always saw it as like oh well this is just for the younger generation teenagers yeah. young kids and stuff you know that's all it is and then i discovered all these amazing creators on there and you know people basically using it as like youtube in a way or maybe that's the wrong way of putting it but using it in youtube in the sense that they were creators solely on this app and even me like tiktok has become the most successful platform for me um and that's just purely just by chance, really, to be honest. I mean, I post, still post equally across all different platforms that I'm on. You know, I never stopped doing YouTube, for instance. But um, TikTok just seems to be the one that's worked for me. But um, I don't know. I, I, I've got a hot take on this. I don't actually think TikTok is going to last, to be honest. Um, and the reason why is, you know, 
I'm an elder on the internet. I was I was around in the times of MySpace and Bebo. You'd be I think you'd be a bit too young for that, but yeah. Um, and they were kind of fads. And okay, technically MySpace does still exist, but no one uses it. Like, come on. Um, but at one point, MySpace was the most successful social media website, and it had, I think, as many as 500 million users, maybe more. Um, and within the space of three or four years, it just died. Just died a death, you know, and that's down to poor management and many other things. But, you know, let's be real. Instagram and YouTube, you know, they stuck around. They've evolved. They've changed with the times. Vine, I mean, I, I still don't understand the decision for Vine being being closed out. I guess they just didn't find a way to make money from it. Maybe there could be many reasons. But Vine was still successful at the point at which it was closed and they still decided to to delete that and get rid of it and, and end it. And um, I feel like TikTok is kind of like the spiritual successor in many ways. And obviously you know, it used to be called Musical.ly and then they changed it to TikTok. And in fairness, it's been around a while. I think as long as, I want to say 2018 was really when it kind of came into its own. And obviously all these years later, we're still, um, it's, it's growing, it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And I think the pandemic was, you know, played a huge part in that as far as, you know, encouraging people to do it because suddenly everyone has loads of time. Why not mess around in this app? And then people discover, oh, actually, I can't like this. And some people even get successful from it. So, you know, but yeah, I, I don't. And, and this kind of brings it back to what we were talking about before with regards to using it for music purposes. I think that in five years from now, it will be something like, oh yeah, remember that website, TikTok? I, I honestly don't think it's going to last. I think it's a fad thing. I think the next thing will come along. And, uh, you know, maybe I'll be wrong. I'd, ha I'd happily be wrong on this, but I'm just saying I just don't see it lasting. And for that reason, I don't think it would affect people that much if, if they got successful originally from, from TikTok. Because, you know, there's many artists that got famous from, from places like MySpace. For instance, um, Lily Allen, often describes herself as, as well used to as the queen of myspace i think it's still on our instagram bio and uh you know that was that was in the two, in the mid to late 2000s and you know obviously it died a death and, and you know she was already in the music industry her family was already big, a big proponent in, in pushing her and getting all those connections and stuff but that was where she grew that following initially so yeah um it's interesting i don't know what what, what are your thoughts on that about TikTok well I think that I think that you're right I don't think it's gonna last forever and especially like the last few months maybe I'd say has been all these people criticizing it about um obviously problems that it has caused and problems with like the creator fund and stuff and you know shadow banning which I just found out what it meant the other day all right but, <laughs> but um yeah, I think that there's been a lot of problems with it. And at some point, something very similar, but, you know, new and better is going to come along and it's going to have pretty much the same journey. I, I don't want to stray too far because I do want to get back to you, but I just want to mention since you, you brought that up. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I, I got banned the other day from doing TikTok lives, which came out of nowhere. I was I was very surprised. Um, but now I've had time to think about it. I'm not that surprised. I mean... TikTok is a broken app and I actually started doing uh, lives on my Instagram 
um, because there's obviously I've got this regular audience, audience, sorry, that uh, like and look forward to to the streams. And that was what I was most upset about. It was less about me. It was more about oh, but you know, people look forward to these lives. I want I want to you know give back to this community that gives so much to me. You know, like it means something to me, and it's a it's a space for them. And obviously, TikTok don't care about stuff like that um, when they ban you for no reason. But as soon as I went on Instagram and I did that first live. I was blown away by like the camera quality and just how good everything looked. And, and everyone in the, in the chat was like, wow, the audio quality is excellent. And the camera quality, like, wow. And it, it almost kind of felt like, wow, like is TikTok really that bad? Like for instance, I don't know if many people know this, but um, TikTok, whenever you go on a live, they automatically apply a filter to your face. Um, I don't know what exactly the filter does. Some people say that it improves the way you look or I don't know. It, it makes you look thinner or something like that. But uh, but you can sort of see it. Sometimes your camera, like if you move, it glitches and it while it's trying to apply the filter. Whereas Instagram and other places don't do that. Like you're on your own. Like you've got to <laughs> set up your own space to try and make yourself look better, I suppose. But um, yeah, and also um, I recently obviously left the Creator Fund and I, I've, I've experienced an increase in views. Um, which which is interesting um most people tend to say that you know you actually lose views when you go into it which i kind of did and i didn't i had a few videos that did well but mostly they were sort of capped around two three hundred views whereas now they're getting a lot more um and yeah i mean like you said you mentioned shadow banning and things like that i'm not sure necessarily if that exists i think that TikTok just likes to play around a lot and, and kind of test things out at the expense of creators. I, I think the trouble is people think that TikTok should be a platform where, you know, like TikTok is a business. It's just like YouTube. When people get annoyed at, oh, I can't believe that they're imposing all these rules. Well, the reason that YouTube does that is because of sponsors and advertisers and that's the, how they make their money. Uh, so they want to please them. They don't care about the creators. They care about pleasing the sponsors, <laughs> you know, and so the creators have to adhere to the rules in order to get, you know, their slice of the action. But YouTube is solely focused on that. And I feel like TikTok is kind of the same because obviously there are advertisers on TikTok now as well. But um, I think people assume that TikTok cares about its creators and, and owes a lot to its creators. And I don't think that they care at all or at least that's the impression i get i mean i've been banned from doing lives now for i don't know was it two or three days and i haven't had any correspondence with them i know that i've sent a message i know that at least eight to ten other people in my community have sent a message nothing yeah no correspondence not not even not even um information as to why and I, i'll quickly just cover why i got banned just so that, you know, people are like, what did you get banned? Here's why. So we were doing a live and uh, we were talking about advertisements, successful advertising in the UK. And obviously many people know that I have a, a marketing background. I love marketing and advertising. So uh, we were talking, cause I know there's, I had a, I have an international audience and some of my viewers obviously like to ask about, oh, well, what, what is UK advertising like? What's the most successful advert? And some, some examples that came to mind were the John Lewis uh, Christmas advertisements, uh, some, of, some of the supermarket ones we have. And then I mentioned 
the word Pornhub. And I said, obviously, they had a fantastic advertisement somewhere, I think 2016, 2017, something like that. It was a Christmas advert and it was absolutely excellent. And there was nothing expletive about it, uh, neither in the way that I recounted this story or indeed the actual advertisement itself. If you Google it, it's totally fine. It's just a funny uh, advert where like a grandkid gives a card to his grandfather or something and there's like a little cheeky smile and then that's it that's it that's literally it and it became really successful because it was very tongue-in-cheek everyone knew what it was about but it was the first time we'd never really seen anything like that from a company like that so that's what I said in my life and literally I'd say within a minute boom because you don't get any information. This is what happens when you get banned on TikTok. You don't get any information. It just suddenly ends and it doesn't tell the viewers either. So they assume like, I have people messaging me going, did you kick me out? Did it get blocked? I'm like, no, it, I just got banned. And they're like, why? And I'm like, uh, and the official reason that TikTok gave was <laughs> adult nudity and sexual activity. I mean, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? <laughs> Because I'm well, I, I was there when it happened and obviously I thought I got booted out and I was like, why did I get booted out? But um yeah, it just automatically like it was like as soon as you said the word, it took like I don't know, twenty seconds and then it was like, nope, done. And like we were literally just there talking about adverts and this was like a daytime TV advert, like there was nothing like, you know, inappropriate about it in like that sense. It was on before watershed, it's fine. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it's just amazing. I mean, the only thing I can assume is that you can't say the word porn, which, if that's true, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life, like ever. You know, because yeah. I mean, you, you should be able to talk about things in in reference to things. Do you know what I mean? Like, I should be able to use that word if I'm talking about an advert. Uh, obviously, if I started going into like excessive detail and, and about something that was inappropriate, yeah, fair enough. But I didn't. And it just, I don't know, it annoyed me. And at first I was really down and upset about it. But after giving it some thought, I'm not that bothered. I mean, I think that when you look at the functionality of TikTok as well, as far as like just how the app works and how you use it, it's very broken. I mean, there are positives. I think the algorithm is very good. It generally presents you good things, but sometimes it just presents you just random stuff. And you're like, I don't like this. I don't want to see this. And it keeps pushing that stuff to you, even if you put that you're not interested. Like I've had people that I've literally said, not interested, not interested, because I don't want to see that creator. And it keeps suggesting it to me. And I'm like, what? What is this? Just, uh. But anyway, we've spoken about TikTok. Let's bring it back to you. So before we get into your solo work, I want to kind of take it back to when you first got into music. So tell us a little bit about your musical journey and how you first got interested or inspired to get into music. I think I've always really loved music. And, um, you know, my parents very much like reinforced that they're both massively into music and all sorts of different types as well, which is how, you know, I kind of got, in I listen to a bit of everything, you know, I, I don't put myself down to like one genre because I listen to what, you know, I was brought up around. And um, I remember like my parents would always tell me like to make me calm down like as a small child a toddler they put on like music videos on the tv and that would like 
make me like be quiet and I just sit there and watch them um so I think I've always had an interest in music and you know I remember you know my dad used to mix up CDs for me that I'd listen to when I went to sleep lots of like David Bowie and the Beatles um and you know I remember them quite fondly I really enjoyed them and I make it like a mission to listen to as many songs as I could before I fell asleep um and then I remember trips with my granddad. So we'd go in the car and he'd put on some of his CDs. We'd listen to, you know, Johnny Cash and The Doors. And, you know, it was just a whole mixture of different stuff that, you know, I have these really good, you know, links to memories with. And, you know, I think music helped me a lot growing up, figuring out, you know, who I was and, you know, what interested me. Um, and I think you can tell a lot about a person by what kind of music they listen to. So um, I think that it was a whole mixture of different stuff and different types of music that really got me into it. And I never thought about playing music until I got to about 13. And I remember being in school and uh, we had our first like proper music lesson in the big music room. And um, there are all these other students that could play instruments and we were like learning about all these different kind of instruments. And I saw uh, someone, I think they're in like year 11 maybe, and they were like shredding on this guitar. And I was like, that's cool. I want to do that. <laughs> and uh, from that point, I just kind of decided that I wanted to learn to play different instruments and, um, you know, start really getting into it and writing music as well. You know, writing little pieces, pieces that I could play. Um, and I think that's where it all stemmed from. What were your music lessons like? Because I must say mine were <laughs> crap, like absolutely crap. And I'll, I'll tell you about mine afterwards, but please tell me about yours. Were they good, bad? Like what was the general structure? Like how did they look? The music lessons themselves were really good. You know, we did all sorts of different stuff and, you know, we'd learn to do like different pieces. We'd learn to play the keyboard and we'd do bits on guitar and there was all sorts. But I was in a school that was full of kids that maybe weren't interested in that kind of stuff. Um, oh, interesting. You know, we were famously known in the area for having badly behaved kids. And uh, it was kind of this self-fulfilling prophecy that all these kids would then like misbehave in all lessons and especially mm. music because you have all these things to mess about with and make loud noises. Uh, so it was always really distracting and we'd have people, you know, smashing up these instruments in class. And it was just, it was difficult because the lessons themselves were really good. You know, I couldn't fault them on that. And I was lucky that I went to a school that had such good um you know had all this equipment and all this funding towards you know performing arts and stuff you know we were quite lucky with that but I don't think many people appreciated it the way that we should have it's very strange as well because I could somewhat understand if it's if it's like a really boring lesson like you're sitting there in maths and you're just like oh like kill me now I understand that but music I mean every everyone likes music do you know what I mean like even if you're the most disruptive uninterested kid ever like I remember my music lessons the only reason that people didn't like them was because they were boring not because music is boring it's just and I couldn't believe this because I loved music from a young age like I, I I think for me it all started with you know listening to classical and, and and whatever I'd hear my parents listening to and stuff but I think the moment it clicked where I suddenly started to develop my own taste was when this kid kind of came in into primary school. I think I was 
nine, ten years old. And we're just sitting there and he's like, you've got to listen to this. And we're like, what? What is it? And he puts it in the uh, CD player and it's Linkin Park's hybrid theory. And it just come out. That's how old I am. <laughs> and it was, it just blew my mind. I was like, what is this? This is amazing. Because I'd never heard music like that. I'd heard pop and, you know, light rock and stuff. But I'd never heard like metal and like heavy and people screaming and intense passion and stuff. And I was like, I, whatever this is, I want to listen to whatever stuff is like this. And I tried to explain it to my mum. I was like, I need stuff like this. What Do you have anything like this? And she's, just gave me like Nirvana, Metallica, Hendrix, Motorhead, like you name it. And I was, I was off to the races. But as far as the music lessons at school, this was now going into secondary school. So I was like really excited. I was like, oh, cool. I'll get to learn how to play instruments. Unfortunately, I didn't have the money and neither did my family. Like we were poor, so we couldn't afford to actually pay for me to get lessons or anything. But the music lessons, the free ones, were like an opportunity to at least get to grips with that and all I literally remember was you'd either come in and just sit down and do musical theory or music history so we'd be sitting there learning about like Indian classical music and like we never got to actually sit and listen to it we just read about it I kid you not and, and like answered like multiple choice questions on it and then maybe the next lesson we get to fiddle with a keyboard but not like learn a piece, you know, learn something good. Like, oh, here's some Chopin. No, we'd be learning just something like really basic and boring, right? And that'd be most lessons. And then once in a blue moon, if, if the teacher's feeling a bit fruity, maybe she gets like us all kind of, I don't know, in a circle and uh, she's <laughs> and we've all got like the samba drums and someone's got like bongos and it's like campfire and we're all like, you know, and she's, just talking some nonsense and that was our music lessons <laughs> and bear in mind there's like drum kits there's you know keyboards there's there's guitars and I was like I want to learn that I want to go on that and they're like no 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 no, you can't do that like we've got to sit and piss about on these keyboards and it just killed it for me and truthfully music started for me um when I traded my my bike for a guitar and I started learning myself because, you know, school wasn't helping, couldn't afford for less to pay for lessons. So I just started learning that way because maybe sometimes in life it is better to do it yourself. I don't know. But um, it's good to hear that your your experience was at least a bit more positive. Like, you know, because I do worry about that sometimes with, with schooling for kids. Like when I went to school, by all intents and purposes, I went to a pretty good school. But um there were a lot of areas where they managed to somehow make interesting things boring, you know, like art, art lesson. Art was really hit and miss when I was at school. It was either really interesting or really dull. <laughs> just, you know, and I just, I, you can make anything boring if you try hard enough, but I think it's, it's very important to, to try and make things engaging. Yeah. You know, especially if you're trying to keep teach kids and get them engaged in something. But anyway, I mean, I think that, you know, with music and arts and stuff, you know, you have to have that creative space. You have to be able to, you know, do your own thing. You can't just, you know, read a sheet of paper and then answer questions on it because, you know, where's the creativity in that? The whole point is creativity. And you're just like taking away the entire point of it by, you know, is it A, B, C or D? It's like... And it's like, I'm not, nothing against Indian classical music. I'm sure it's fantastic. But 
I had no interest in that. Like I got no way of relating. That that would have been interesting if, for instance, we'd first learned about classical music in the UK. Something we can relate to. Okay, this is music made in your country. Okay, great. And then like this is music, same genre, made in India. Do you see what I mean? It's basic. Yeah. You know, or or like I don't know. Start with rock and and metal and hip hop. And, and show like the diagram tree. Like for instance, there's this very uh, famous scene in, um, and it's tongue in cheek, but you, you know, uh, School of Rock with Jack Black. So there's a scene in it where he's like teaching on the board and there's like a big tree in the background that he's drawn on the chalkboard. And it's showing all like the connections between different genres and, and what leads to what and all that stuff. And it's, it's, it's a really fascinating look at how music works and how it branches off and how everything's connected. Because I'm sure you can appreciate this as a fellow musician. When you become a musician, you learn to kind of appreciate all genres. Even if you're not like so hot into them, you know, like I'm not a big fan of jazz, for instance. I think it's okay, but it doesn't blow me away. But I know people that it does blow away. And, but I still appreciate it and respect it, you know? Whereas there's people that aren't musicians that, won't necessarily feel that way and um i just think it's important to have a, a good knowledge of these things and and you know especially at school like that's the sort of stuff they should be teaching you know if you're going to teach music theory and music history there needs to be a mixture of practicality actually teaching people to play instruments and then you know because it is kind of a useful tool you know what i mean like one way of looking at it is it's a way to find work you know there's so many different ways you can earn money in music not just book from becoming a musician but like for instance session musicians you know that's that's an active thing that many people do people do that um is project by project and it's constant work and you don't have to be in any way creatively inclined that no, no offense to session musicians i'm sure plenty of them are very very talented i'm just talking about specifically like you learn to play other people's music that's that's the kind of you're a hired hand you know it's no different to being like, I don't know, a plumber or, or something. It's like you learn a trade, you learn a skill, and then you go out and you use it to make money. Or, for instance, being the live band at a particular venue. Like, uh, I believe um, Steel Panther were the house band at a particular club for like years and years and years before they ever got famous, you know, and they made a good, fairly good earnings from it, you know. So, I don't know. I think that when it comes to education and music it's there's a lot that can be done to change things and kind of really inspire people to see the potential and opportunities in the field as opposed to just oh hey let's have a bit of fun do you know what I mean and just muck around or or indeed let's just learn history for, for forever <laughs> I mean not everyone is you know into academic education you know some people it just doesn't work for them and that's not to say that there's something else that wouldn't work for them for example the creative subject mm -hmm. often if you have someone that you know they might struggle in maths or science or english but then be amazing in art and you know acting performing you know i think that you need to have a good balance between both types of subjects otherwise you're completely isolating a whole group of people that aren't you know they can't work in that kind of environment and by making you know your music lessons as you say like where you just read a page and wrote stuff down then it's just academic it's not there's none of that 
other side of it and that means that those people that would be really good at music and you know really have a, a chance at a whole career in music miss out because the school's just done it like any other lesson um bringing it back to you who do you take inspiration from as far as your particular music that you write be it for Def Guns or for your solo work or, or just in general particular musicians that stand out for you and who inspire you or, or maybe even that you try to emulate in some shape or form? So um, for my solo stuff that's more stuff that you know I have grown up listening to and really enjoyed and I have done a whole bunch of songs that are very or I've imagined them being very Johnny Cash kind of mm. thing because you know he is one of you know my favorite artists of all time you know I, I don't think there's one song or album of his that I don't enjoy listening to it just makes me feel good it makes me feel happy um and I thought that maybe it would be strange to try and do that kind of music um because it's not something that you know, people would maybe imagine that I'd, I'd do for myself, you know. Um, so it kind of started from there. And I wrote a song that I thought would be like, very cool if it was done in like his voice and stuff. And then I thought, well, maybe I'll try singing it, you know, maybe I'll try playing it. And from there, I was like, okay, I love this genre for me. Um, and I just wrote loads of stuff to do with that. And um yeah, a lot of it has been that kind of music so far. But there's other stuff as well that I've done. Um, you know, I, I have my electric guitars as well. I like to do stuff that's like a bit rocky as well. Um, I've done a lot of covers of stuff that I enjoyed and wrote stuff kind of, not the same, but based on those kind of songs that I really enjoy. Um, a lot of stereophonics, love stereophonics. Um, so... Yeah, it, it's kind of a, a mixture of all these genres that, you know, my parents showed me and my grandparents showed me, which is very different. Um, but there's a way that you can make it all work together, as you say, like with the big tree of different genres, they can all tie in together. And um, yeah, talk, talk to us a little bit more about like where your solo stuff is at, at the moment. So are you well firstly are you using your your name are you using a stage name have you got any music out at the moment like what's the deal with your solo work so i don't have anything out at the moment and i i'm probably just going to use my name i'm not creative enough to come up with another name for myself um i just get confused it's a cool name um, <laughs> i think it works um but yeah, I think that um, it was always something that was very personal and I never had any plans for it to be, you know, out there anywhere. I mean, I started writing music mainly. So there was this one music lesson, we had a substitute teacher and, you know, they just came in and they were like, okay, uh, write lyrics for a song under one of these kind of themes. And I, I'd never done anything like that before. So I just kind of wrote and I was like, this is like, it's like poetry. I really enjoyed poetry. So I wrote this song and I presented it to the substitute teacher and she was like, this is really good. I really like this. And uh, she made a copy of it and kept it as like oh, a wow. poem. Um, and that's where I was kind of like, maybe, maybe I could do this. Maybe mm. I should try it. And then obviously getting into playing guitar as well. I added the music to it. And um, 
it just all kind of stemmed from that. Okay, excellent. And and do you have anything kind of planned right now? Like I know you're busy with Death Guns, but is there any you think about maybe doing a, an initial single EP, something like that? Like what's the plans right now? Potentially. So I'm kind of decided. I've got a whole book of like songs. There are like hundreds in there. Some are great. Some are really terrible. But I like them at the time. Um, so I guess just going through them and deciding, you know, what ones I could use and what ones people might like um, and recording them and considering getting some of my friends that sing to, you know, come and help me out with them as well. Um, and then deciding what I'm going to do with these songs. Like, am I going to put them like, out on, you know, the internet for everyone to see? Or do I want to do some, you know, gigs and stuff? I think that it's quite open at the moment to just waiting and seeing what happens with it. With music, have you actually gigged before? Have you well, have you been in previous bands, stuff like that? Yeah, so um, I've, I've been in previous bands um, that when I was like 14 maybe, okay. mm -hmm. and you know, my first band, oh, we were terrible, but you know, we were so passionate. We were like, this is gonna go far. We were together for like four months. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know. But it was a it was a passionate four months. Yeah, no, the whole four months was was brilliant. You know, we were we were really in for it, and then we realised actually, yeah, it's not that good, is it? <laughs> <laughs> Did you really have that conversation? Where yeah, oh, no, man. I think it started in this group chat. I think it was like through like WhatsApp <laughs> or something, and someone just messaged, and they were like, "So, are we gonna like rehearse this weekend?" And our drummer just put no. And we were like, oh, what's wrong? And he was like, well, we're not good, are we? And I was like, oh, why would you say that? We can, we can work on it. Yeah. And uh, from that point, we kind of decided actually, like, all the music that we had was bad. None of us liked it. It was just something that we'd all put together. And then okay. eventually, decided, um, you know, maybe we should focus on our GCSEs and then we'll try again afterwards. <laughs> Well, this is interesting, actually. Like, how come you didn't come back to it? Because one thing I've always said about working with other people is that it's less about the talent you have and more about the chemistry. And I'll give you an example. So I remember when my bassist joined my first band, we originally envisioned as having him as a third guitarist. I don't know what we were thinking. This was pre-drummer. We were just, it was just me and the other guitarist and we were trying to figure out what to do. And we were sitting listening to him and it was awful. Um, but he was my friend and I wanted him in the band because I liked him and I thought I could work with him. I thought he was a good dude and I thought he would, we could mould him. And I was right about this as well, uh, which I'm kind of proud of. Um, and he was awesome because I said, look, I don't know about the guitar thing. We'll put it on hold. But how would you feel about playing bass? And he was kind of, he sat there and reflected on it and he was like, I'm willing to give this a shot. And he went out and he bought himself a bass and he started learning bass. And I was, I couldn't have been more proud. I was really happy with him. And he, and he became our bassist and he was good. He was experimental. He had fun with it. And my point being that, you know, we, we got good as a band, like initially, you know, it might've sounded like a bit of a racket, but we were pretty tight from the beginning. There was chemistry there and that's why it worked. And we were together for three years. So was the issue there less that you just didn't want to play with each other or was it just you know disinterested or what was the actual reason there 
I think that um, we had this um, romanticised idea of what being in a band would be like. Uh, you know, okay. we thought it would be like, no work, we'll just get together, we'll jam, we'll like have a number one hit, it'll be done. And, uh, you know, that wasn't the case because none of us at this point were very good at what we were playing. You know, we were 14 and we thought that we were like, you know, the best. We had this God complex. And then every time we recorded something and listened back, we were like, yeah, it's all right, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think it got to this point where we're all like, well, you know, we, we don't really have time to rehearse anyway because we're always at school or, you know, we had our music lessons and stuff. Um, so we just kind of said, oh, well, we'll call it quits and then come back at some point. And then everyone just focused on school, you know, other stuff was going on. And, um, you know, I think our guitarist moved and um, started a new band and they got quite good where they were oh no um, so then there was also this like jealousy among like some of the other people in the band at which right. point i was i think i'm done with this now okay so that's why yeah it's kind of like a breakdown and i i get that i, th I think that and this is why i'm apprehensive because people have said to me like christian why, why don't you get in a band why don't you start a band and it's like i would love to but and I, I trust me, I really would. I'd like one of the things I've really wanted to do because I've done a lot of metal bands. I've done that, been there, got the t-shirt. I would love to be the lead singer in a rock band, straight up rock band. Or do you know what? I'd even be happy being just a rhythm guitarist, to be honest. Just just in a rock band, like I, I'd love to do that. Um, but it's all about chemistry. It really is. Like I remember auditioning for a band once. This was after my first band broke up and, you know, I was kind of just auditioning for various different bands. And maybe I was still because, you know, when you leave a band that you've been in for so long, it's like a breakup. You just you're just pining and you just feel bad. Um, and there was one band that I it was like a hair metal style classic rock band. Right. And they were really cool guys, like really cool. Um, and we were jamming and we, we you know, we had something and they were really feeling it. They were really feeling it, but I just, my heart wasn't in it. I just wasn't feeling it. And they were so disappointed. And I was like, I'm sorry guys, but it's just, it's just not there. And I, I honestly think that it, it's true. Any, any people that you work with musicians wise, it's, it's like dating. It's like being in a relationship. You, you can't force it. Either you got chemistry or you don't. It's as simple as that. So yeah. And music is something that's so like personal to you and personal to everyone there. If you don't get along with the people, then you don't want to share that, you know? So I think your relationship with the other people is so important. If there's someone that doesn't get along with someone else, it's not going to work. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to be like best mates per se, but I do think you have to you have to, yeah, you have to like each other and get on and have some rapport because at the end of the day, looking forward you, you're going to be gigging with these people you're going to be stuck in close quarters traveling with these people like you, you don't want to be around people you dislike or you got a problem with in those sorts of conditions because those issues are going to come out and then before you know it boom band ends you know and people think oh it's easy just get a replacement uh -uh. You, you can you know have a million auditions you're not going to find you know and trust me i tried when when my first band failed you know um, I wanted to continue the band, but it just wasn't happening. I couldn't find anyone. I, I, you know, there were plenty of people I worked with and there was just nothing there, you know, and it's, 
it's all about that chemistry thing. That's what it all boils down to in the end. Um, but yeah, but given that you've actually played shows before, um, I'm, so I'm going to ask you back to back questions. So firstly, let's start with the worst. What's the worst <laughs> show you've ever played? Oh God. Um, okay. So this wasn't really a, a show, but it was in front of an audience. So I'm going to count it and it was really terrible. Um, so we, it was in, so it's in school and we had, you know, they form like the school bands and stuff, no. you know, like projects and all of that. Yeah. And you're put into these groups as well. You don't get to choose who you're with. Which is like, the worst idea ever, by the way. Just yeah. Exactly. Um, anyway, we'd had a few problems before and it turned out at the end, it was just two guitarists and a singer. Everyone else was like, well, I'm not going to do it, which is like, you know, classic, you know, school sportsmanship, you know. Um, so then we were like, it's fine. We'll play it will be great so we start playing it and this is where everything everything that could go wrong went wrong um i think the first it was literally the first song um like the first 10 seconds so we'd retuned our guitars um and this guy he's just gone to like play a chord two strings of snaps straight off the bat and we were like right okay this, this isn't good this isn't gonna go well um, our singer tripped up. So we're on this little platform and um, it's like, it's literally like two inches high, yeah, maybe yeah, yeah. not high at all. Anyway, she's like really going for it. And, you know, she's got all this like energy and she's trying to have a big stage presence because we'd had a whole chat about that before. Tripped off the stage, of course, but it's only an inch high, so you think it wouldn't be that bad. No, she's twisted her ankle and it's going mm. in the wrong direction. At which point our teacher was like, that was lovely. Do you want to go sit down now? And uh, yeah, we didn't get graded on that. And she was like, you can try again sometime. <laughs> when you said that, like, oh, do you want to sit down? I thought you were going to say, do you want to go to the hospital? I <laughs> like just, you know, A&E, you know. No, you... Our, school, our school never sent anyone to the hospital. You go down to the office and they give you a wet blue paper towel and tell you to go back to class. It was always the way. I broke my arm. Oh, oh just, 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 just put a blue paper towel on it. It'd be fine. <laughs> right. Please don't sue us. <laughs> okay. Switching it up. What's the best show you've ever played? Um, I think that's difficult because there's been basically anything where anything goes right is a great show. You know, as long as nothing goes wrong, it's fine. Um, but I do remember there was this one and I was, I was not part of this band, but I was filling in for someone. And these were all people that I got along with. And I was like, well, this is going to be like, this is going to be fine. You know, I don't really know the songs that well, but we'll, we'll try and we'll see how it goes. And um, when it started playing, like everyone was like so helpful. And like all the people in like the audience, most of them were friends of people in the band. Um, so they're all really supportive and it just like my confidence from that point was just like maybe I am okay at this maybe oh, I should like go in and it was more it wasn't the fact that it was this amazing gig but it was kind of this realization for me like how much I did enjoy it and you know how even though I wasn't like best prepared for it 
you know, it still went well. And at that point I was like, okay, well, I, I really like music. This went really well. You know, everyone was really nice. I, I could try this. And that kind of kicked off my real love for playing music. Oh, fantastic. That's a really nice thing to hear. Like yeah, a lot of the time when I've asked musicians that question on this podcast, um, yeah, they give like a good recounting, like, oh, there was this particular performance, the crowd was good, blah, 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 blah. But it's good to hear, you know, someone saying like, hey, yeah, this this kind of reignited that, that belief in myself. Because believe me, I, I know exactly where you're coming from. Like people ask yeah. me often in my streams, like, oh, why don't you play gigs, Christian? Like, oh, I'd love to see you play a show. Trust me, I did. I played some shows and then some as a solo performer as well years ago and it never went well and not because I wasn't good I mean I wasn't it's, it's difficult to be objective like nice about myself these days apparently I'm a lot better but back then not so much and that's why I do understand why you know when I would play a show people just give me the golf clap like yeah you know, <laughs> but um, there is all the, also this element which I've, I've spoken about quite a few times, and this applies not just to music, but everything. Um, it's the numbers thing. It doesn't matter how successful or unsuccessful you are. Um, if you're not known, if people don't know you, people don't care. You, you could put on like a killer performance, like just outstanding. And most people will be like, oh, who's, who's that? I never heard of them. You know, and that's the frustrating thing about it because there are petty people in, in the music industry that are terrible, awful, but because they're known, everyone respects them and likes them. It's that fame thing. Oh, they're famous. So, you know, everyone likes them. And, um, it's the same reason that I don't really go out busking in Manchester because, you know, I see buskers there all the time and no one cares. Like no one cares. And these, these buskers are brilliant, like genuinely good musicians, but no one cares. The only time people care is when it's really unique. Like I, I was walking through the other day back from, from volunteering and there was a kid and he was like 14 and his voice was amazing. And I just had to stop and you know, I was on a call to a friend of mine and I just had to stop and give him some money and just be like, yeah, well done. Um, but that's like the only time that people really stop. Or like for instance, um, shout out to Glitch's band, the punk band that travels the whole of the UK. So awesome. Um, people will stop and listen and look at that because it's not every day that you see a punk band in the middle of the street, right? But most people that you see up and down that street, and it's the same faces as well. There's certain musicians that I see there all the time. And I know that they're trying to get noticed and it's like, you're not going to get noticed there. It's the wrong place to be, first of all. It's just people walking up and down the high street doing their shopping. You might get a few people interested, but mostly people don't care because they don't know who you are. You're just another person, just like them, trying to get famous. And look, I'm not trying to be negative and paint a you know, miserable picture like don't try or something. I'm saying try, but try in different areas. And if you're going to do gigs, build up a following. Like what you said before about what you're planning to do with Def Guns, I think is genius. Build up some buzz. There was, like, I imagine if, if I was in your position, I would wait until that EP is done release like one single, get buzz for it, release the whole thing. And then everyone's like, oh, we got to see this band. We've got to see this band. And that's when you start gigging because you've got some confirmed people. You know, you've got a planned tour. 
give people, you know, a chance to kind of plan, make the plans and be there versus, you know, if you try and do it at any other time, people just won't show up. You know, I, I remember gigging for three years in London and, you know, okay, we were just kids and we were trying to build a following and now and again, we would get people show up, but mostly it would just be playing to the sound engineer or playing to the other bands or stuff like that. That's the reality of being a gigging musician and doing live music. Um, so there's not much point unless you've built up a following and also less is more, by the way, just as a bit of advice to any aspiring musicians, if you're booking, uh, let's say a little mini tour around your city or something, do like one gig every two weeks or something. Don't do several gigs a week. Trust me. <laughs> it's just not a waste of your time. But yeah. Um, anyway, one last thing I kind of want to ask you about your music. Cause I always find this pretty interesting and I think every musician has a different approach to these sort of things. Um, what's your approach to songwriting? Okay. Well, this one is difficult because sometimes I'll be sitting there and I'll get an idea about, you know, a lyric and then I'll start with the lyrics and then I'll add the music later. But then other times I'll get this idea for a riff in my head and then I'll write that. But I'm not very good at writing lyrics after I've got like a riff and music down. Mm. So sometimes I'll leave that up to someone else to write, like to help me like with ideas and with the band as well. Um, once we've got like a, a riff idea and we've like started playing some music, like our lead singer, she'll sit there on her phone and she'll be writing lyrics as we're playing which is like inc incredible to me because I'm like, I can do that. Um, but most of the time I don't, I don't sit there and I'm not like, well, I'm going to write a song now and I plan it out. I it just kind of, I get these ideas and then I'm like, okay, I can write something from that. And it just kind of like comes more naturally rather than like forcing myself to write a song. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I, I can totally relate to that. Um, I used to, write songs where I'd write all of the lyrics first and then walk into the room and try and fit the lyrics to the song with, you know, relative success, but ultimately it was very difficult as well. You'd often have to change things, tweak things. Whereas now totally different. I'll just sit down and if I'm in the mood to write a song, I'll start writing and I'll just start playing a riff and then try and think of what it makes me think of, which I think is the most backwards, difficult way to do it but i don't know right now it seems to work for me and i guess every musician is different like when i've been in band situations it's often i prefer it when you come in with an idea and everyone works with it so someone will be like oh i've got this riff or oh i've got these particular lyrics let's see what we can do with this or you know what i mean it all starts with that initial idea and you build around it and build whatever you want to build but yeah, it's it's interesting, isn't it? Especially if you've got clashing um, songwriting styles as well. It can be a little yeah. bit frustrating sometimes. <laughs> I mean, it's different for different people. I mean, obviously, like, the way you write music is very personal to you. And some people, you know, different things come to their head first and they get that down. It's like, I I can't write, I never write anything in order. Like, I'll write, like, the chorus and then I'll do a bridge and then I'll do like the last verse and then the first verse and it's just it depends like what ideas come like at what point I think that will work well in but you know other people they can't write up that they think it's too you know chaotic and they can't 
you know order it as well so i think that there's a hundred different ways to write basically the same song oh yeah for sure for sure um actually yeah i've got i've got one more follow-up question because i think it's interesting um so you've already kind of told us what your songwriting approach is at least just for you personally but what does it look like when you're writing songs in death guns because obviously writing solo versus writing in a band is different like what's what's the kind of vibe there like who's in charge of what how does the process go um so it's pretty much open so if anyone has any ideas for literally anything they just come into practice and they're like oh i've got this riff idea or i've got these lyrics or i've got this drum solo i really want to put forward and you know everyone will kind of like gather around and we'll listen and then everyone's kind of like you can see everyone's like brains work and trying to figure out what they can do with it and then we'll have like four or five different ideas as to something else we can add to it and it's kind of deciding what works and what doesn't and what we can bring together and make and you know what we enjoy playing is another thing you know you don't want to play something that you don't like because someone else suggested it and no one else had any ideas for it you know um so usually someone comes in with an idea and we just work from that through like a, a kind of relaxed jam session um rather than like sitting down and being like right we need to do this this and this because that comes later after we've got more of kind of a basic idea of what we want so it's de it's definitely different <laughs> excellent thank you very much for watching this first part of a three-part interview with poppy lister and until next time, peace out, one love, and I'll see you in the next one.